Hello again, Patriots fans. Welcome back from the much-needed and hopefully very much enjoyed bye to another edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast brought to you by your friends at WEEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. Your old pals Nick Fitzy Stevens and Andy Jumbo Hart here today. Primetime Shime Time cannot join us today. He has some domestic affairs to attend to. So we'll look forward to hopefully the DVOA Hole Patrol joining us later on in the week. Andy, I know we texted about this and conversed briefly as we set the table here for our return to action. Looking forward to the Jets coming back to Foxborough for old Zachy boys. Uh, chance at revenge against Belichick and the Patriots. So we got a lot on the table here today. But how did you enjoy that one precious Sunday? And there may be other Sundays because the Patriots have some Thursday action. Two Thursdays, in fact. I'm not sure if Mac Jones knows about that, but Patriots <laughs> have three games over 12 days and play at some nope. um, unique start times. But how did you enjoy taking football in again just as a just as a football fan for one given Sunday? Wasn't it just delightful? It was delightful, gluttonous, and it left me feeling really bad about myself. I did the entire day. We had the Tom Brady Munich 930 kickoff. So I was having French toast and bacon while watching mm. Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. And I literally waited. I started to get the urge a little earlier, but I waited till the one o'clock kickoff to pop open the first Miller light of the day. Um and you made it all the way till one o'clock, huh? Yep, all the way to one o'clock. Oh, yep, such absolutely. restraint to be admired. And despite the fact that I was, I feel like I could have gotten away with it at 9 a.m. because I'm watching a game in Germany where it's mm -hmm. mid-afternoon and it's Germany. So obviously you're And did you see anybody. the size of the plastic beers they were drinking yes. in the stands? They had Ab full liter steins in the stands. And I just want to say, I may have made mention before on this podcast or whenever you and I are on the radio, whatever. I've talked ad nauseum about how much I enjoyed taking in the NFL in Europe. And I just want to implore everyone that's listening to us right now or anyone who might be watching on the social medias at Six Rings Pod. If you get a chance to ever go take in a game in London, in Munich, next year in Dusseldorf or wherever the NFL may also expand to France, Spain, China, wherever go. It is such an incredible take because it's so different from what you're used to stateside. There's no like lots only open four hours before. Hey, no fires over there. Hey, put that drink all open containers. It is just mirth, merriment, joy, cheers, chance in London. And I imagine the same was true in Munich. You're basically just fraternizing with a bunch of people who have at best a functional, barely functional knowledge of the game. And they're constantly making football versus football comparisons. Every third guy looks like a villain from a Guy Ritchie film with muscles out to here, you know, kegs uh, or pitchers of beer under each arm. Oi, you want to sip over here, Fitzy? Yeah, you go. And then just the chugging and the, the joking. And then, of course, as you heard in the stadium, that crowd was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Singing the country roads, all the songs they were doing, like Sweet Caroline. Sweet Caroline. I actually liked Sweet Caroline again for the first time in forever. So whatever joy you felt watching the game while you were having pancakes and French toast and bacon or however everyone else did it with, you know, having their lagas or some Bloody Marys stateside, go. I Like next year, there's rumor the Patriots might be playing in Germany. Yep. I cannot confirm. I won't deny, but I can't confirm. There's a very good chance they'll be there. I'll move heaven and earth to get there. Ooh, I, I six rings takes Germany. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. What is six in German? Uh, what's uh, Terp? Could you look up what six is in German while we actually try to get this podcast going? Thank you, producer Justin. Nine Sprachen Sie Deutsch. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it it would be amazing. So that was a great start to what was a really enjoyable awesome. Sunday. Um, but now let's get to how this affects your New England Patriots because we've got to stay live and local. The AFC. That's why I'm calling this first segment uh, the AFC East Snow Globe. Because the Buffalo Bills hosting the Minnesota Vikings and what I'll say was the most entertaining NFL game to date this season, game of the year thus far, losing in such head-scratching, improbable fashion in overtime to non-primetime Kirk Cousins, wide receiver one in the NFL, possible offensive player of the year, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and the Vikings, and old pal Kevin Kevin O'Connell was absolutely spectacular. That game was... So freaking good. And 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 the effect now, Andy, is that Miami has vaulted into first place in the AFC East. Buffalo starts the day as the number one seed looking towards a bye as they were supposed to be the wagon of the AFC, steamrolling toward their Super Bowl. Didn't even seem like the UCL injury affected Josh Allen that much. The Jets and the Patriots both benefit from a Chargers loss and not playing any football. And as of now, you've got four AFC East teams in the playoff picture, actually in the playoffs if they started today. And I can't tell you who's going to win the East or who the number one team outside of Kansas City is in the conference even at this point. It's bananas. Well, first of all, we all nailed it. We expected there to be four teams from one division in the postseason. (laughs) We were just on the wrong coast. Everybody thought it would be out west, and it's really east. Um, Not that I think it's necessarily going to hold out that way. And the, the other thing I found interesting was your people. The fraud squad. Okay. Um, okay. Take, taking these strange victory laps about like, oh, the Bills are beatable, and and Josh Allen, look at him, he's turning the ball over. And I was like, um, yes, both teams actually that are on your schedule turn the ball over. Kirk Cousins had two picks. Allen had a couple picks. I had obviously the key fumble mm-hmm. on the exchange. Unreal. And they still scored thirty plus each. They can turn it over and still score a crap load of points. So my takeaway from that game was not, ooh. They both look beatable. My takeaway was they both look like they could put a lot of points up against us and look like difficult offenses to deal with because, I'm sorry, Josh Allen, when he was being, again, a man among boys in overtime, when he's just running down the field, he's like, oh, are you a linebacker? Boom, I'll run you over before he threw the game. Oh, the final drive where, uh, where, so he fumbles the exchange in the end. Such a wild turn of events. The fourth and 18, first I thought, Steph Diggs had the catch of the year, which he kind of did. When oh, he leapt up yeah. into the air. For gloves, though. I'm still okay. I make these catches without goddamn gloves. Right. Then Justin Jefferson with the catch of the year, but the circumstances of it being fourth and 18 and in traffic going up and one handing the ball, gloves yeah. are not spectacular. Cousins doesn't score on the sneak. Then Allen mishandles the snap. And then now Minnesota's up. And then, of course, he just drives them straight down the field in 41 seconds. Minnesota in soft zone and prevent D. What does prevent D do? Exactly. Prevent from winning, Fitzy. The overtime's wild. Josh Allen throws another pick in the red zone. They got too aggressive with their play calling. Mac Jones, Matt Patricia, everyone take note. Sometimes it's still legal and or okay to take the available outlet or the safe yards as opposed to always going for it or trying to play hero ball. Just a spectacular game. I do also want to point out, though, Andy, Mm. that while we've got a lot to look forward to uh, and the Patriots are going to have a lot on their plate, if you will, Thursday night, Thanksgiving against Minnesota, and then twice against Buffalo, 
Buffalo in that game where they give up ultimately 33 points in defeat was without starting defensive end Gregory Rousseau, starting safety Jordan Poyer, starting cornerback Kair Elam, and starting cornerback Tredavious White. So if everyone thinks that maybe Buffalo's defense has lost a step or is in turnaround, you might want to pump the brakes on that take because Buffalo's defense is much better than they showcased on Sunday. Even if they did have a 17-point lead and kind of blew it, they're much better than that. And that's against a top 10 offense. Uh, and a top one or two team right now based on record and projections. Like the numbers now give the Vikings a chance to be the number one seed in the NFC. Their only losses to the Eagles, which had been previously unbeaten, but are no Whoops. longer unbeaten. Um, and I just look at it on, on not on paper, basically on the field. I go, huh, that Jefferson guy is really good. Hey, that Dalvin Cook guy, he can go the distance on pretty much any run. Huh. TJ Hawkinson, that's a really nice complimentary quote unquote weapon for a team to have. And he's really much more than I will say, though, before we get too much into the future mm -hmm. schedule, it does tie in. I will agree with your fraud squatters that Kirk Cousins can still lose his team a game. He is still scary if he's your quarterback at times. Like, I don't I know he's got swagger and chains around his neck and we're seeing his shirt and all that. I'm still not sold on him. But the bigger question I would have is, did you see two teams that the Patriots measure up to there? Uh, I saw two teams the Patriots measure up to. Um, uh, yeah, the way I measure up to Shaq. I was going to say the way that like my four foot six, uh, nine year old measures up against me when we're like making sure we're both tall, tall enough to ride a ride at the amusement park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, so I just it's great that you backdoored your way into the playoffs in November if they started today, which would be weird because it's November. And, uh, and the and the, I will say like the in Bill We Trust slash Fraud Squad victory lap was pretty hilarious. Not just the see, I told you you could beat Buffalo. They could be had. They're not perfect. But it was kind of funny, like, oh, oh, look at this. All the naysayers against Patricia and Belichick wondering what's going on. And the team's good. They've won five games. Like, again, there's nothing I enjoy outside of the success and happiness of my own family than a Patriots victory and the subsequent joy, conversation, and celebrating therein. But I am old enough to trust these eyes, which have been prescribed glasses to wear at night when I drive because oh, I'm right. almost 50 now. And like, you know, like, Hey, macular degeneration happens to the rest of us. It, it is what it is. But I trust these eyes well enough to know that these Patriots, while still pretty, pretty solid defensively, and they'll get guys like Barmore back and more after the break. Andy, this offense isn't going to cut it. It's not good enough as is right now. So while it's all snow globed up, look at Miami. Look at the way they can just score at will from anywhere and all over with this wide receiver dynamite tandem. Look at the way Buffalo can usually when Josh Allen isn't playing hero ball and reverting back to his 2019 errant ways and being so cavalier with the football. Hell, look at the way the Jets run the ball and if they put it in Garrett Wilson's hands and you saw what these wide receivers like Diggs and Jefferson can do. I'm just wondering where the Patriots fit in now in this AFC East and the overall AFC playoff picture, no elite weaponry aside from Ramondre Stevenson quarterback questions aplenty. And there are, you're going to have to, there's going to be a game or two or three where you're going to have to put up 30 or more the rest of the way. If you want to hold your ground as a wildcard team. Well, the thing I find interesting is you can sell me on. They're better than the jets. You can sell me on. 
they're better than the Chargers. Like some of these other bottom tier seventh seed type teams. The middle, the, the, like the great middle of the AFC. Well, I mean, bottom playoff tier. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. there's a stark difference between the the real playoff teams and the group you would be in if you made it. But you're not really competing with those over the second half of the season. Yes, you have the Jets to start off. The unfortunate thing is you're competing more with higher end teams or talents. Like if you just said the way this worked is you need to beat the Jets, the Chargers, and I don't know, one other team, I'd say, oh, you might have a puncher's chance. But to get to that slot, you're going to have to match up with the Bills and the Vikings. And I, I brought some numbers to the table. I know you're... What? Yeah, I did research right here on my notepad with lots of scratch <laughs> on it. I was told there'd be no math. So the first half of the season, the first uh-huh. nine games. Nine, which is also no in German. And by the way, producer Justin Turpin with yeah, a private like message. You know what six is in German? Yeah, it concerns me if we go to Germany sex. and do our podcast. <laughs> it's sex. And I don't want to do a sex podcast with you. <laughs> I don't know how anyone would feel about sex rings with Andy and Fitz. <laughs> yeah, that, that's terrible. And if it's not like, even if it's popular, it would alarm me that it's popular. <laughs> I want no part of the sex rings podcast in Germany. Um, no, that's the point of no return. Like that's, yeah, that's like, we would need, we would probably need Liam Neeson to rescue us if we started getting into the sex rings podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. No. Um, so All right. first half of the season, I am a child nine games. <laughs> the Patriots yep. faced a top 10 scoring offense mm-hmm. three times. Thrice. So three out of nine, okay. One out of every three. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. You know how many times they will face a top 10 scoring offense in the final eight games of the season? Uh, six, five, five. Okay. Five so, out of eight, five, five out of, out so of eight. So it was three out of nine versus five out of eight. Yep. Okay. Oof, Let's okay. flip to the defensive side of the ball. All right. You know how many times the Patriots faced a top 10 scoring defense in the first half of the season? Twice. Once, just once out of nine games. That was uh, the Jetropolitans. And they didn't score a ton of points. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. even despite facing lower-end defenses. You know how many times they'll face a top-10 scoring defense in the final eight games of the season? Uh, Just like my Razor Quattro? Three. Thrice, okay. So three times as often as they did in the first nine games. Okay, but let's let's flip the script a little bit. You know how many times they faced an offense that was in the bottom 10 in scoring points in the first half of the season? So bad offense. Right. You know how many times uh, that came up? I will say four times. Five. Wow. Five of the nine teams you faced were in the bottom of the league in scoring offense. You know how many times they'll face a bottom of the league scoring offense in the final eight games? None. Once. So one-fifth as often as you did the first time. Okay. You know, you know how many times they faced a bottom of the league scoring defense in the first nine games of the season? Twice? Five of the first oh, nine my. games were against a bottom of the league scoring defense. You know how many times they'll face one in the final eight? Uh, here's where I'm supposed to say once. Three. Damn it. So it didn't cut any of these right. Virtually everything based on statistics and mm-hmm. nine games into the season. Like these are your stats. By the way, these were before this week. I did okay. these numbers Sunday morning before the action. So but everything gets more difficult. Like you faced more bad offenses and more bad defenses in the first half. You didn't face great offenses or defenses in the first, like everything gets more difficult because obviously 
The Bills are good on paper. Mm -hmm. Like they're scoring right. offense. Like however you want to, their offense is good. The Vikings are a good offense. The Jets are a good defense. You face them again. Obviously, the Dolphins are a good offense. Like everything is like the worst scoring offense you face is the Jets. They're twentieth. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is. You know, even the bad teams, the Cardinals and the Raiders are like 14th, 16th. They're middle of the road. And yeah. then you face the Bills, the Bills, the Dolphins, like the Vikings, top 10 scoring up, like everything, no matter how you measure it. And I'm not saying this means you can't win. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, remember that whole storyline? We wondered like, huh, is this going to be just like last year where they start out a little slow, then they build mm -hmm. a little momentum. Now, the difference is last year at this point, you were the number one seed, remember? Everybody thought this is a Super Bowl team. Oh my God, football outsiders. We did 7,000 uh, computer generations and they all have the Patriots in the Super Bowl. This year, it's not as dramatic. You, you're right. in the playoff picture. You're not the number one seed, but the, the overall storyline and narrative is eerily similar to are you going to prove you measure up over the final eight games? Now, I certainly have my doubts. Mm hmm. As, as the uh, regular listeners to Six Rings know, I do not have the Patriots having a winning record. I do not have them making the playoffs. I have you them have them at 7-10. and 10. We went through it last week. I have them at 9-8 and eight on the cusp of the playoffs, potentially you losing out. Homer. Uh, we'll see about that. I just want to round out this segment, Andy. Great, uh, great job with all the numbers and the research leading into this. I can't believe someone did their homework on this podcast. Uh, uh, I know, I know where you've told me before. Uh, I can take all of my PFFs, the poofs, oh, yeah. and all the other numbers researched. Put them uh, right up your sex rings, keister. Exactly. Uh, but whether you whether you take it from PFF or whether you take it from any number of other websites, uh, the Patriots have, depending on who you want to read and whose numbers, uh, statistical number crunching and such, uh, you place the most faith in. They have either the second to the fourth most difficult schedule in the NFL on the second half of their season or over these final eight games. So, yeah, but Josh Patriots, Allen threw a pick in the end zone. Put that in your schedule machine. So if the Patriots are to stand their ground right now as a wild card team or hold, basically hold serve, if you want to say, then they're going to have to do it against the lumber. They're actually going to have to do it where they spit the bit last year against good teams in the final half or the final quarter of the season. So not, you know, you can borrow to be the man, you got to beat the man. Or to be the best, you got to beat the best. They don't have to beat the best. They just have to beat some of the better in order to qualify for the playoffs. And if they go through this schedule and they're able to, let's say, beat Buffalo once, beat the Vikings, uh, win four, maybe even five games, they'll have earned their way to the dance. And there'll be a team, other teams, and their fan base, even the meteor, if you will, should take seriously. And if not, fraud squad, unite. And there it is. You know, I love to do these better chance that they win five games out of the final eight or lose five games out of the final eight. I think, you know, the answer to that question, but I'm not going to go on the record with it. The one thing I will go on the record saying is how much I appreciate just as Andy Shime and everyone at WEI, you following along, rating, reviewing, subscribing, giving all the love and the props to the six rings podcast in this community we're building here. Give us a follow at six rings pod on Instagram and Twitter. And, of course, the podcast is available wherever you get your awesome football talk programs. All right, moving on in this edition of Six Rings, back from the bye, getting ready for the Jetropolitans. A couple of days ago, Andy Hart published a little piece at weeiwei.com 
about the five members of the New England Patriots who need to, quote, step up or step up to the streets in the second half of the season. Uh, and the cover photo on the dot com of the radio station, wouldn't you know, happened to be the New England Patriots special offensive assistant slash offensive line coach, the one, the only rocket surgeon himself, Matt Patricia. Uh, Andy, for the for those who didn't get a chance to read this list, would you uh, work your way through these five Patriots keyest or most integral to success in the second half of the season? First of all, I want to tell Matt, because I know he listens. Obviously, he listens. He needs to He's listen. Matty P? So, yeah. Or, or Scatty P and Joe Jazz, as we've now named them at the station? I, uh, I did him a solid, because when I was picking the photo to put on the story on the website... Um, USA Today has a very unflattering photo of him with a pencil in his mouth, like in his chin up and like the beard. Every it, I could have made him look like a clown uh, as the top man on the list. And I chose not yeah. to. I chose to put a little bit more of a normal photo there. Uh, but yeah, I think it's man. Well, you know, I just try to be fair. I, I, people do take too many pot shots at him, in my opinion. Oh, like, for sure. We've said as much here. Like he shouldn't be the one like there are things that are. Uh, mockable or teasable. There are things to get frustrated by and about, but this all is not his fault. And he takes no. way too much. I think Bill probably needs to maybe step in the way of a couple more of the slings and arrows being said. Oh, he abs- instead, he's like, yeah, I think the other team does know our plays. We should probably try to fix that, which was a, depending on how you wanted to assess it, kind of a shot at Matt Patricia and his offense. And I asked a simple question before we get into this list wholeheartedly. And certainly mm-hmm. Patricia deserves the top spot because I think Patricia trickles down into other people on the list and the way mm-hmm. the whole offense unfolds. Yeah. Who was put in a uh, more precarious or unfair spot when Bill Belichick chose Matt Patricia to run his offense? Was it Mac Jones or was it Matt Patricia? Mac Jones, only because Mac Jones had no say in the matter. I would argue, interesting point, we can we can tweak that in a second, but I would argue it's Matt Patricia because at least Mac Jones has an offensive mind to fall back on. Like you could argue he could overcome some of the issues that might trickle down to him through Patricia running the offense. Whereas Matt Patricia, I don't know what leg he had to stand on. Great point you bring up though, because he had no say Mac Jones. Do you think Matt Patricia could have, should have, and would have said simply, no, thank you. I don't believe I'm qualified or prepared for this opportunity. I don't think it would be good for myself and or the team. Should Matt Patricia have said no to the role he is in? Yes. Yeah. I, do, I, do, I I mean, it's very easy to say now. Hindsight 2020, rose-colored glasses and all. Uh, no. Uh, he absolutely should have said no to the opportunity. Now, everyone loves a good challenge every now and then. Well, what else could I do? I've won Super Bowls. I've been a head coach. He's probably thinking the best way for me to get back to being a head coach is to prove that I can be a competent, if not upper-tier coordinator at, uh, you know, in the NFL at the next level, and then maybe I'll get a shot to earn my way back there. Well, right now, he's not doing much to bolster his LinkedIn page or his, or his resume uh, for being a, a head coach in the NFL again by any stretch. This is the kind of thing where just because – you work in a restaurant doesn't mean whether it's, uh, you know, front of house or this part of the, just cause you're a bartender doesn't mean you can go back there and cook the damn meal. There right. are so many other analogies we can make where just because you've been adjacent to the goings on and have a fun 
fundamental or just foundational knowledge of how to do something doesn't mean it's the thing that you should or that you're qualified for it. It's the one thing that people that are, know the sport the best keep bringing up. The in-game adjustments, the rhythm. I think Orlovsky, who's a name that keeps getting brought up because he's been so critical of it and because he was an NFL quarterback. The whole idea like, okay, great. You can script some plays. You can come out with an idea as to how you want to attack a team. But when it gets down to now they've adjusted, they've countered your moves. What do you do next in this game of gridiron chess? And he and Mac together and Joe Jazz and Belichick combined. Bill. Bill. Make sure you include Bill. They've had like the Patriots have had, save for the one drive to open the second half against the Jets, which of course could have been scripted. Or maybe that was more Mac Jones saying like, F it. It's me, Mondre, and Myers, and I'm just going to get it down the field. The best drive I've seen over the last month or so with the Patriots that didn't involve Bailey Zappi. I, I don't know how I, I don't know how you say that you're you're just going to all of a sudden develop faith that he it's just going to come to him like now he's going to figure it out on the fly, and that's why I'm sure he's at the top of this list for you, and why he's probably concerned number two overall for the Patriots behind number one. Can we can we can we fix Mac? Can we unbreak Mac Jones? Yeah, because the the one the one thing that would because I believe Matt Patricia has to step up the most because he's overseeing Mac Jones, so they kind of mm-hmm. go hand in hand. If he doesn't Correct. step up, it's hard for Mac to overcome it. the The flip side of that, you could put Mac at the top spot on any list because theoretically he's here for the long term. Whereas maybe you fix this mistake with Patricia in the offseason and quietly just leave him to coach offensive line and do something different at the coordinator slash play caller position you're not stuck with him, quote-unquote, long-term. Like, you right. kind of are married to Mac for the next few years, I presume. I mean, I guess anything could happen in the – who knows? I make um, no – I make no. Uh, assuming is a dangerous game to begin with, let alone in Foxborough with several years out of the playoffs and Bill Belichick as coach slash GM. Well, I, I actually think if he decided to move on from Mac, that might be a time for them to move on from him. Well, I, I let you pick the next quarterback, and you told me we had the next quarterback, and we were going in the right direction, and now you're pulling the plug. So, well, if we're going to do a rebuild, let's rebuild the whole damn place. But anyway, different topic for a different day in the off season, whenever that comes. The the Mac aspect here is Mac needs to get going in the right direction. I think the process started pre buy, and I I have been big on this, and I could be dead wrong. I liked his energy and his his confidence to some degree post game the last two games you know prior to the bye I thought there was something in his air that could be built upon now that could come crashing down with two picks in the first quarter against the Jets and obviously you know everybody be booing him again and calling for zappy and all that but Mac does need to overcome at some point the great ones overcome and, and I know that's been challenged this year with Tom Brady and, and and Aaron Rodgers, the two of the greatest of all time, not necessarily overcoming, right? What's going on around them? They were losing. Maybe they both turned a corner over the weekend. Christian Watson becoming Aaron Rodgers' go-to guy, making plays, whatever. And Tom Brady kind of just saying, boys, get on my damn back and I'll carry us to victory. Um, but true franchise quarterbacks, like we saw it with Russell Wilson over the years. I know Russell Wilson is now mockable in Denver, But there was a span there where no running back, no offensive line, no left tackle. Russell Wilson finds a way to win. I think that's what franchise quarterbacks have to do. 
if Mac is a franchise quarterback, we can bitch about Matt Patricia. We can bitch about others on this list, like the offensive line, <gasps> Isaiah Wynn. And we can bitch about targets, <gasps> Kendrick Bourne. But in the end, if Mac Jones is the man, then he needs to stand up and be the man over the next eight games. Yeah, with Tam- uh, uh, the Tampa reference, it, yes, it definitely is. Okay, I'm the... Uh, I'm the focal point. I'm the legend guys. I'll I'll carry us to the promised land, or at least out of the sludge of 500 football into the playoffs where everyone in the world has a futures bet on Tampa winning the NFC South as they should, because it's a dumpster fire of a division. But there's also been, as we saw last Sunday too, contributions by Rashad white, a rookie running back, stepping Mm -hmm. up and spelling Leonard Fournette, adding a new layer to the offense. Kay Dotton, a young tight end, stepping up, making plays when they need it. Julio Jones actually, jumping into the Lazarus pit and coming back out and being able to make a couple of plays, including that big touchdown that got Tampa on the board. So while you have Patricia and Mac Jones one and two on the list, I'm going to put number three on the list of your five players or five people that need to step up the most. Anyone who wants to be the number two wide receiver. Kendrick I don't born. Is that it's who you got to be born? It's I had be born because Devontae Parker banged up. Devontae Parker, he's always covered. We know the numbers from next-gen stats. Like, Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne had a thing less than a year ago. They worked. A legitimate thing, including the two of them being the best players on the field for the Patriots against Buffalo in that playoff debacle. Get back to that. Like, I don't know if he'll ever work with Devontae Parker and whether he'll ever be a 50-50 ball guy and get it down the field. I'm pretty sure he'll never work with Nelson Aguilar because he just turns it over when you get it to him most of the time. And I don't have any idea what Tyquan Thornton is going to be because mm-hmm. Tyquan Thornton to me has taken a turn for the worse, not for the better over the last month or so. But Kendrick Bourne, we had idiots on our radio station and by idiots, I mean, mutt saying that Kendrick Bourne was going to be a poor man's Debo Samuel. He was a playmaker. You could move him all around like, and He's I did too. Guilty as charged, guy. Guilty as charged. Okay. I thought idiot he was number two, I'll call you. And then there was that third idiot. I won't call him an idiot because he doesn't work for us anymore. So I can't call him an idiot. He's not part of the family. But there were a lot of people that thought he was going to go this way, straight through the roof. And he went this way, straight through the pooper. Kendrick Bourne has to find a way to say, maybe it's a sit down. You know how like you tell like kids in high school, Hey, if you got a problem with the coach, you got to go sit down and talk to the coach. Like it's mm-hmm. your job. You're the athlete. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kendrick Bourne during this bye week I don't know, take one of those Cape air flights over to Nantucket, join Matt, Patricia and bill by the fire and be like, listen, guys, I'm falling on my sword in front of you. I want to be a key playmaker on this team. How do we get there? Whatever it is, get out of the doghouse, get me the ball. Cause Kendrick Bourne is the one I believe there's there's reason to believe it could happen, like not just your blind hope, like you mm-hmm. frauds. Oh, this guy's going to be great. Oh, Cam McGrone is going to be the best linebacker on the team. All right. The McGrone principle has been retired to this point. I got it. I've taken my lumps you that and was my laps hope. over that. It was. It was Belichickian. It was in Bill. We, I, I had it. I had a case of in Bill. We trust itis. I got it. Okay. Or so Bill, this. But and Bourne I still isn't do trust him, hope. but that was a way. That was. That was, that was dumb. You you should not dumb. have. And I was your voice of reason, objectivity. Like, why do you? Okay. Anyway, Kendrick Bourne is not blind hope. Kendrick nope. Bourne has been there and done that for this team with this quarterback in this offense, basically. Like, there's reason to think he could be better and could be, and you need him to be. You need Jacoby Myers to have a pal, a running mm-hmm. mate, a tag team partner right. in the passing game. You can't just lean on Jacoby Myers. Sorry, that's not enough. 
Can you just also like when, when going back to segment one in the podcast where you went over the stats of like bottom tier defenses they faced in the first half versus yep. top tier defenses they'll face in the second half. Every single player, and this is the uh, who are the other two players, real quick, that were uh, the other two people you have Isaiah Wynn. Yep. And, I, and he's kind of the face of the offensive line, but also he makes $10 million and was a first round pick. I need yeah. you to not suck. That's a no brand. That's an or as Luke no would yeah. say, just suck a little. Just suck a suck little. Less. Just suck a little. Suck less, my friend. And then finally, Christian Barmore, because yep. as the defense faces more challenges, how could they be better? Like Judon's really good. Wise is re- like I think a lot of them have played really well for the first half of the year. How mm-hmm. can you be better? Christian Barmore could be an inside pass rusher, pocket collapser. Christian Barmore, take that late season jump, that next step to being pro bowl caliber like to defeating double teams that are being thrown your way scare the hell out of a kirk cousins like right christian mm-hmm. barmore coming up the middle or just could, devour zach wilson force him to rush outside absolutely. and do one of his dumb zach wilson things that's how you get him as much as you know they're gonna and we'll talk about this in the jets preview podcast if you can flush him out and make him think oh i have to get off platform off script and make do one of my byu mahomes things that feeds right into Belichick's game plan. And as much as Salah and LaFleur will, t- will try to coach him up, like stay within the game plan, don't do anything stupid. Guys like Christian Barmore could force other quarterbacks to do something stupid. And I yep. just want to round out this segment with the, uh, this thought, Andy. Um, and I think we both sort of agree that this Patriots team is best suited getting back to what Mac did well last year, finding Kendrick Bourne, integrating the tight ends, obviously leaning on Myers and pretty much running your offense through Ramondre Stevenson, who's the first half offensive MVP and uh, pretty much the best player in the team. Every single player on the Patriots offense, except for one, that being Ramondre Stevenson, has seen a slight to significant statistical dip on offense from 2021. You cannot tell me that basically the entire offense got together in the offseason and decided to sign a let's suck together pact. Like there's no, there's no like pact where it's just like, we're all going to drink the Kool-Aid and put on the Nikes together. We're all going to get terrible together. They did not sign a regression pact. So there's obviously something behind the scenes at What's work. Different? that is. What could it be? What could be different? What so like, could it be? Yeah, the players are the same. They both, tra- they all trained in the off season. Like what could be different? I can't put my thumb or finger on it. It's It's weird. I don't know. Let's hope they found said uh, hidden regression pact, tore it up during the bye week and fixed things because going to need some points and going to need a whole lot of them real quick Indeed. to stop and or keep up with some of these teams in the second half. And hey, thanks for keeping up with us. Of course, there's so many different Six Rings podcasts every week, whether it's right after the post game show, the midweek edition, the mailbag. The preview edition, we appreciate you guys subscribing and sharing with all your friends. And, of course, at Six Rings Pod, at Fitzy GFY, and at Jumbo Heart. All right. Pets Puri. That's right. The variety pack, the grab bag, the potpourri of our weekly podcast coming at you here on Six Rings. Uh, And, Andy, I know you wanted to begin with a conversation you had. Oh, yeah. With a Patriots legend, a certified, bonafide, surefire Patriots Hall of Famer. Hopefully one day, actual NFL Hall of Famer. A little conversation you had with Matthew Slater on the Mud at Night program and something he said about this team that gives you 
I won't say confidence or heart, but um, put a little, I don't know, how would you describe how you felt after you spoke with Slater as it pertains to this edition of the Patriots? Intrigued by something he said. Ah. First of all, no disrespect to the Greg Hill show, Gresham Keefe, or Merloni Fourier and Mega, but Forio. Forio. Yep. I would like the Itali- Forio. Uh, the Italian. He's, he's Yeah, exactly. Could he be an Italian magician? Could he work for Pro Football Talk and be a former player? Who knows? Forio. Plus, I have to get up at one in the morning to do his uh, marathon radio experience so I can call him whatever the F I please this yeah, week. That's going to um, be fun. But I do believe that Matthew Slater is the best interview on our station when he talks to Mutt and I every Monday night. Uh, He's just, you can ask him anything. I think he gives you relatively honest answers, certain topics that others would, I think, just stiff arm or, in the case of Mac Jones, not answer at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Matthew Slater gives answers. So this week, I asked him first about whether he thinks team chemistry matters and whether it's you know, does team chemistry just come when you're good, when you win games? Okay, now we all get along and we're all winning cures, all that kind of thing. Or can team chemistry come first and lead to winning? And he he said, you know, that's a great question. He's been through these teams 15 times here in New England. Um, it's sort of a chicken or the egg thing, but he does believe team chemistry matters. He said, looking back on some of the great teams we've had, successful teams, he thinks chemistry put them over the top in certain situations. And we know this team has played a lot of close, tight games over the years where a couple plays, couple feelings, whatever would have mattered. So then I said, well, the obvious follow-up in November, I don't want to retroactively know team chemistry. Does this team have good chemistry? And he said, excellent team chemistry. He enjoys this team as much as any he has been on in New England. He loves the mix of, as he termed it, old crotchety guys like himself, mm-hmm. Young, energetic guys. He brought up Brendan Schooler saying kid comes in with energy every day. Smile on his face, energy every day. And we know there's a bunch of those guys. Not all of them young. I think Matt Judon plays a high role High energy area. guy. High Kendrick energy. Bourne is one we've known to be a high energy guy. Used to be until they sucked the energy out of him. I, there's still like that joy can be, that joy can be tapped into. So like, my question to you is. Yeah. Do you believe that the positive, because I believe Matthew Slater, if he tells me this team Mm -hmm. has great team chemistry, I believe him. I think we've also observed it. The example I would give, I don't know if you've noticed this. um, No, 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 you're awesome. No, 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 you're awesome. Pointing back and forth between the coverage and the pass rush in recent weeks. It's like anytime you ask Devin McCourty why he had two picks, well, because the pass rush was awesome. Anytime you ask Matt Judon or those guys, Josh Uche, why'd you guys have multiple sacks? Well, because the coverage was awesome. So I think great chemistry and and sort of camaraderie on the defense. The offense is probably a work in progress, but again, they're scuffling, so it's understandable. But do you believe this team has great chemistry? And do you believe that that chemistry could steal a win or two over the second half of the season? As they like to say, uh, when... Rooting on the United States men's national soccer team who will be kicking off in just a couple of days in the 2022 World Cup from Qatar, halfway around the world. Game one next Monday at two o'clock against Wales. Cannot wait. I believe they're playing Wales. They're playing Wales. How do Wales kick the ball with no feet? I see. I <laughs> Never again do I want to hear about my bad or my dad jokes on this podcast or any other broadcast forum we partake in. Oh, look at you. Now you're even doing like the drawstring mustache to try to look adorable for the watching audience or the viewing audience now. Shame on you. 
Uh, I believe that we will win. Yes, I do believe the Patriots could actually use chemistry. I won't just say like good vibes only, bro, or hashtag good vibes. They're just high. We got to win. That's not that's not going to work. But do I believe that this team does have good chemistry, does like each other? Yes. And the reason being two things. Number one, Belichick kept a couple of these high priced veteran guys who may not have the same impact on the field that they used to for a mm -hmm. reason. And it's so that they could be an extension of himself and the previous success they've had. So that Slater's, unfortunately, James White had to retire, made his way into the media. We'll get to media in just a minute. But uh, Devin McCourty, D-Max obviously lost his step. You know, if push came to shove, he'd probably tell you he has as well. Uh, interesting you bring that up because I just got off a of Zoom about an uh -huh. hour ago with Brian Belichick, the safeties coach. Yep. And somebody asked him, has D-Max lost a step but maybe like – his head and his smarts and his experience allows him to make up for that. And he was like, no, I don't think he's lost anything. And I was like, wow. Okay. Well, that's Bellic what he's, does that's he not he's watch the games? Yeah. Does he not watch just, the games? That's just like Slater is going to tell you, like, do you think this team has good chemistry? Nah, man, we don't get along at all. Are you we saying he's lying good. to me? No, but he's telling you what he's supposed to tell you. But that said, I agree with it because of the veteran leadership You're provided. And if you look at this team, uh, this team doesn't seem to have like it seems like a lot of high character guys. Yeah, it and really no does. I don't feel like clicky either. No, it doesn't feel clicky. I don't feel like there's a lot of like the the a hole factor is pretty low on this team. It's or it seems so. It seems from locker room to the stands, to the podium and beyond. Like this seems like a likable team. And the most frustrating aspect of it is, I think this team would be incredibly likable if they could just score some more damn touchdowns. Well, yes, and and he acknowledged that like winning covers up a lot, whether it's inside your team, whatever. If you win, it can cover a lot of uh, sins, I believe he called mm -hmm. them, which I found interesting since he's a uh, you know heavily religious Bible man, calling them sins. But sure. winning, and and yes, that. But I also think that if you can marry up a team that legitimately has good chemistry, likes each other, I don't know if they love their coaches. That can be a different topic for a different day, but. Team chemistry within the locker room. I bet the defense loves their coaches. So, so who doesn't love? That's weird. Who are you pointing at? Uh, uh, but I do think you can get it, team chemistry married with like a win could mm -hmm. snowball, could build more momentum than maybe a team that gets a win but still doesn't really love each other. Like let's let's look at Seattle. Like all these things that have come out over, about Russell Wilson since he right. left. Um, the like, me first when you don't have to give credit uh, for a victory to one person in particular. Yeah, yeah. Like, now I'm starting to say now I know why maybe they didn't win of late at the end of the Russell Wilson era, because seemingly everybody hated Russell Wilson and he didn't necessarily fit in with that locker room. This is and they clawed and scratched their way back into that game Sunday in Munich and made it a ball game all the way down to the to the bitter end, which was great as as a viewer. Um, I, I, I thought it was great. And I give Seattle a chance to make a little, to make the postseason and make some noise in the NFC. So chemistry with that. It Feel does. And let's, Andy, let's go back to the spring too. When we saw Mac Jones having these unscheduled workouts with down in Tampa or on the West coast with like little Jordan Humphrey, JJ Taylor, Devonte Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, like these Boy, guys paid off. 
These <laughs> no, they haven't. But you will. But you you have to give them credit for like a doing that. You know how together. they say money in the bank bills big on like you're putting money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, that was money in FTX. Those yeah, that was workouts. that was sadly well, that gone. was that was uh, that was gridiron crypto. That is long gone. Do, don't don't check that account anytime soon. Nope. But they did try to make emotional invest when Bill talks about putting money in the bank. Those were yeah. emotional investments in this team, and it's paying off in that regard. Obviously, that becomes one of the critical questions of the second half of the 2022 season. Can they make those investments count? Can they cash them in? Mm. And will chemistry add it into the time they spent trying to reconfigure the offense? Or are they bankrupt? Exactly. Just like you and I both are on the inside. Speaking of the media, where we lost James White to this past season, thanks to that unfortunate hip injury he suffered in 2021. Oh, but that Saints game, what a pain it was. Uh Devin McCourty, old DMAC, was a special guest on CBS NFL Today last weekend. And much like his brother, J-Mac, who has made a seamless transition to the number four seat, taking over for Nate Burleson on Good Morning Football, Devin McCourty, to no one's surprise, excellent, excellent on CBS this past weekend. Forthcoming, articulate, uh, good-looking, uh, artic- I mean, he's an, a little he's an too artic- well-spoken when he spoke about the fact that, you know, something that should not shock anyone that Brian Dable is likable, more likable than Joe Judge, and then he had to back that up a little, back that Ooh, uh, up. Little yeah, bit. he kind of had to like. <laughs> but it's that's the, okay. uh, I call it the requalification. Like, what did you mean by that? Allow me to uh, requalify, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, Devin McCourty was, was great. Uh, I'd asked him that previously in conversation. Like, are you going to follow in your brother's footsteps? Do you have media? He's like, absolutely. Like, it's, an, it's a no-brainer slam dunk. Who knows whether he and his brother will work together if he'll be on a different network, but nope, he's a together. He's, I got them packaged in one show. Yeah. At the NFL and if I'm their agent, if yep. they're on it. They're on a show together. They have their own show together. They become a bankable football media franchise. They open clinics. In fact, hell I'll even say they may make more money than their playing careers or be more successful. Even with all those rings included in their post-playing career. Well, I also think they could be, they could follow the uh, Michael Strahan route. And uh, who's the other guy that did it recently? Jump from Good Morning Football. Nate Burleson. Nate, Nate Burleson. Burleson. He's on CBS CBS this morning. I, mean, yeah. I could see them going the the like morning show route down the road because they are so um, philanthropically driven, mm-hmm. politically, social justice, so well-spoken. Like they're very varied in there. They're not just, you know, dumb jocks with pretty face put on TV. Right. Football um, sound. Yeah, no, I think they could even branch out. And now that's probably five years into their career, their post-playing sure. career, five, ten years into their media career. Um, but, yeah, I think they could be really good. But that got us to thinking, who else on the current Patriots roster could be earmarked for a media career? Because we all know a lot of ex-Patriots go into the media with Ninkovich and Brewski and McGinnis and all James White, Stephen Gostowski's doing games on the radio like – they all seem to at least try it and get an opportunity to try it. Who you got? Who who else besides DMAC, who is obvious, would would be uh would be a good media personality potentially? Matthew Judon is an absolute media sweetheart in waiting and a total slam dunk. And it's not because he'll provide the best analysis. It's not because he may have the most beautiful football mind or be a somebody who steps right out of the pages of uh the Oxford Dictionary, to deliver his football speak. He just has an energy about him, I think, that is charismatic and contagious. And I think the same way uh, Randy Moss, who was 
everyone would tell you was sneaky smart behind the scenes and one of the smartest oh, yeah. football players people had encountered. I think Matthew Judon's energy, the same way Randy Moss is really fun to watch on the ESPN NFL countdown shows. Matthew Judon has a contagious way about him that will make me tune into watching him on a football program. Now, I hope he sticks around and finishes career, his career with the Patriots so that it's not, you know, Judon from the Ravens, the Patriots and the Lions or the Seahawks or whatever. I hope he finishes his career with the Patriots, but he's the first one to me who jumps right off the field and right behind the broadcast booth. Yeah, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, and you're right, not necessarily the most uh, polished or perfectly well-spoken, mm -hmm. but just a genuine joy, joy of football energy that I think he would bring and a good perspective. And obviously, you know, coming from two teams that have been um, the most stable organizations, I think, mm -hmm. and his perspective of working his way up, not a first round pick, but the where he comes from as a special teamer, then a great pass rusher, then a great Patriot, like maybe a defensive player of the year to, to end that sort of progression. Um, we talk about Slater. I actually, we, we talked to Slater about this. He doesn't seem overly interested in going that route, either the coaching route or the media route. He actually, and uh, you getting into fights with flag football referees will appreciate this. <laughs> He is maybe interested in going more into like youth and high school coaching and, and affecting Love young that. men. Uh, yes, because he's, he's family, faith, and football. He'd be so good at it, and you can be so impactful in that, whatever you want to say, 10 to 20 age range there that he might be, mm -hmm. um, you know, affecting young men. So oh, I think he would got to lay that foundation, Andy. You, you know this as being a coach. I've told you off air about some run-ins <laughs> I had with some – Coaches who I believe do it the wrong way on the youth level, yep. especially at an early age. Like this is when you have a chance to mold young minds and mold young souls and teach them the right way to do things, even in something that can be as violent and co conflict laden as football. There's still it's still OK to be aggressive. Like there's the great example is like Matthew Slater, who loves getting a 50 yard head start and layeth the smacketh down on people and then just being the best guy you ever met. Or Logan Mankins, who might be like the definition of like country gentleman, country strong, and then just found a way to just like turn on this a-hole thing and just was like the nastiest thing a football field done ever seen and then turn it off and go right back to being a proper fellow. Um, other guys that I would say, you know, David Andrews to me in his role as a captain, in mm -hmm. his role, he actually talked a little bit lately about how he watches football so differently now on an analytical level after playing for Belichick that he can mm -hmm. never turn off, even when it's like a bye weekend or just like watching a college game, the way he analyzes the game. Mm -hmm. And I think offensive linemen are an underrepresented group at times in the media. You well, know, all... Joe Thomas is taking off right now on NFL. He is what he now Jeff Saturday got the win. And so yep. everyone had a little egg on their face late Sunday night. And we'll as much that was as much like putting Matt Ryan back in and not playing coaching up like a bunch of idiots and actually doing the right thing on that team as it was the unmitigated raging tire fire that is Josh McDaniels Raiders right now. But Joe Thomas's evisceration of the process by which Jeff Saturday was hired was maybe the clip of the week last week as Joe Thomas joined the good morning football crew over in Munich, Germany. He's excellent. Excellent. And I think offensive linemen, first of all, they work harder than most people uh, understand they know more about the game than most people understand they the the intricacies of the offensive line and how they have to know everything they have everything. to know everything so I, I think he could be good i think hunter henry could probably be good um mm -hmm. you know we we tend to 
with Patriots players, we tend to think their personalities and their speaking ability is what they are in interviews. And we know mm-hmm. that's not a lot of them because they're they're under Bill's umbrella and they're saying it or not saying it the way they think he wants them to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Hunter Henry, uh, and, and we always talk about it with Christian, like, oh, yep. tight ends, they know everything too. The running game, the blocking. That's why Nick Haley game. was supposed to be the damn next. Okay, I'm not going to get and into it. be in a better got, place. I Potentially so, and we'll see about next year. I got one other one, though. I think, I think Lawrence Guy... Oh, yeah, Uh, because he does a good job every week on the midday show and he's been on there for a while, but he's he's engaged. He's a he's got a pleasant what for somebody who is just like a giant wrecking ball of a human being, just an oversized mauler and marauder. He's been around a long time. He's sneaky, smart about his football. He has a breadth of knowledge about life outside of football, including his love of pop culture that I think might make him like. I could see Andrew. I could see Lawrence Guy sitting in like the Andrew Whitworth spot or something like that on Amazon, just providing a little analysis from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm not telling you that he's going to be sitting there on the Fox set or the CBS set anytime soon, but on a cable network or a streaming package where they're going to be talking football. Yes, I said streaming package. <laughs> I get you streaming package, yeah. right? Yeah. In. yeah. Um, well, because that's what the other thing is. I think we think traditionally of like you either have to be on a network pregame show Mm -hmm. or you have to be a color commentator there are a lot more jobs now pregame shows postgame shows Mm -hmm. as you said streaming and maybe they're looking for a keep to lead before other things happen they were going in a different direction in terms of of color commentators like you didn't have to be perfectly well spoken like a quarterback and diagnose the play that's a that's a good point andy because on this play as you see here like no like nope Take us it like take us into your mind how you would react live, raw, and real on the field. Right. I think fans appreciate swear. that. Exactly. Don't, don't swear. And, or even Peyton Manning and and Art uh Eli Manning. I almost said Archie. Don't know why. Uh because I don't even know who Archie. That would be a very different, that would be a very different much more um, laid back and laconic Manning cast, yes. More personality, more inside football, more you don't have to tell me the perfectly well-spoken way to describe this play. Just tell me, hell, John Madden, right? When it works, it works. And sometimes just saying, boom, right here was like, oh, that nailed it. That's what, I don't know why we pay you millions to yell boom, but we do and people love it and they Mm -hmm. eat it up. So Um, much so that that's all I think of. Anytime I ever have to go buy like, um, athletes foot spray, I always buy Tenactin. They're not tough actin, Tenactin. Boom. Tough. It's still stuck in my head because of John Madden. And that's of course why you drink Miller light. And, uh, well, no, I like drink. I just like Miller light. You could have Um, just said, yes, that's fine. Sure. But I, I also, the flip is true. Like sometimes you think, um, what's his name? The tight end from the Cowboys. Like, oh, he's going to make perfect sense in the media. He's going to be so good. Jason Witten, the guy Jason who all, the guy who looked like uh, the guy who looked like an adult it's, stuffed into his not, junior high prom suit uh, every episode next looks. to Tessator. It's not all well, about it's just like looks. he didn't have to wear something where he's like, oh yeah, I'm just stuffed into this suit. Like he was terrible. I thought we were past that day and age where it was all about looks on TV. Okay, I apologize, but no, he's a good-looking guy. He wore a size oh. shirt three sizes too small. Um, but everybody thought he was going to be a home run slam dunk. He'll be oh. good at it, and he was terrible. And they had to run him out of the booth and. So I do think some of it is natural personality. And and so it'll be interesting to see how many of these current Patriots go down that road. And is there, uh, my last question, and we can wrap it up. Uh, 
Who's the next, just league-wide? I'm just curious because I so very much enjoy the broadcast, the appearances, the program, the persona, everything, the shtick that Pat McAfee has brought to broadcasting overall. Mm-hmm. I, I think his performance last week on College Game Day, electrifying. It makes me want to see one of these shows, you know, as much as you love Boomer and uh, Bill Cower and Phil Sims and James Brown sitting in their comfortable New York studio. This makes me want to see a new show with a younger lead broadcaster and Matthew Judon and so-and-so and DMAC take the show on the road. Like if the NFL would just like take the restrictor plates and the safety net off their morning shows and bring it live on the road every week and give fans a chance to enact and engage with them on a regular basis, that show would rocket to number one and be so more entertaining. And guys like Pat McAfee bring an unpredictability and electricity and analysis to football programming that we need more of. Andy, is there anyone else out there like him? Well, I I would say two guys that are currently doing it, and the problem is what you're describing is great right up until they pull the plug on it because you offended someone or you stepped in it, you said this, whatever. But the Kelsey brothers, and I don't I forget the name of their podcast. You're absolutely right. That they're the whatever the Kelsey like twin attack or yeah. Love it. Love it. And they have such first of all. They're awesome. They're two mm-hmm. all-pro caliber future Hall yep. of Fame type players, so they yep. bring that that credibility to yep. it. But they have great personalities. They have a great brother. Dyn- you know what? As as we talk this out, you know oh what my I'm God. You're, pa- you're an eight, you're a Kelsey. super agent now. We're packaging the Kelseys and the McCordys together. Oh my God! It would be so good. It would be so effing good. Right it's called New Hill. Heights, by the way. New Heights is the name of their podcast. Yeah, because everybody was mad because, you know, on New Heights, they said, you know, cornerback is so hard. They don't even let white guys play it anymore, which, yeah, w- which part did you isn't true there. Because Yeah, I know. Show me all the white corners that Just are roaming honest. around the NFL. Um, and it is hard. It's the hardest position. So those two with the McCordys, because the McCordys um, – have sneaky personality. Sometimes mm-hmm. they squash it, but I think if they got in an environment where they got comfortable with the likes of the Kelsey's and hell mm-hmm. make Pat McAfee, like the, uh, the already experienced media guy as the, the mediator, like that, oh, the referee between yeah. the two of them. Yeah. Make that the five person panel. Oh my God. I think that would be football loving gold. You absolutely are probably not even going to make it to the next podcast, a network executive in the making. You'll be scooped up by one of the BC streamers and dot coms. I've always said, and I'm a, I'm an idea, man. I have lots of ideas. It's the following through with them. That's a problem. Andy's got an eye for talent and you have an ear for quality listener. Thank you once again for tuning into the six rings and football things podcast. If you enjoyed today's program, stick around, come back. We got a mailbag podcast this week. We're also going to have our preview of the Jets and the Patriots. We'll have someone from the enemy market join us. Andy will have somebody from the Patriots beat, likely our pal Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. We'll give you our previous predictions, statisticals, and so much more as well. Tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe if you get a chance. We appreciate you swinging by. That'll wrap it up for this one. Brought to you by WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. We'll talk to you soon. As always, good luck. God bless. And go Pats.